This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI Audio's on air community, and everyone's invited. Good afternoon to all of you out there in the uh, world of audio. I'm your host for today, Brock Richardson, alongside Daniel McLaughlin, who does Know Your Rights on Mondays and also a backup co-host. Danielle, how are you? I'm well, Brock. It's lovely to be together again. We had our uh, great day on on Tuesday, and uh, fortunately, nothing got in our way, and we're back together again today. So uh, along the ride, both Kelly and I were in studio because we were at the uh, Christmas uh, party for AMI, and uh, Kelly won a shirt, a jersey that was signed uh, by Jake Muzzin, and I'm here to report that I still don't have the jersey. He still has it in his uh, hot little hands, but uh, I did sort of win over and say, well, that's fine. If you're going to keep the jersey, I'll co-host today with Danielle. That's totally okay. Uh, no, that's not what happened at all, but I wish it was. <laughs> it's a good deal, I wish, though, I got to say. <laughs> I, w- I wish I had the same power, but I don't. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're headed uh, towards the uh, the weekend. Any big plans for this weekend? Well, I've got meeting upon meeting with some of the boards that I'm involved with. So, I'm really hoping for rain. <laughs> that way I won't feel too bad about not getting outside. I know that's very uncharitable of me because, you know, just because I have to stay in front of my computer doesn't mean everybody mm-hmm. else can't go out and have a nice time. But, um, yeah, we're doing some Hanukkah preparations as well. So, you know, having to think about cleaning the house, not getting down to actually cleaning it yet. But how about you? What are you doing? Yeah, I am uh, finishing my... Christmas shopping for my family. We uh, do Christmas the weekend uh, before uh, Christmas. So next weekend, uh, the 17th is when my immediate family is uh, hosting Christmas. So we're tying loose ends in regards to that. And uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be good. And then Sunday, we're uh, doing a respite where we take a uh, gentleman out uh, for the day and we do activities. We sometimes end up at arcades. And do that kind of thing. It's kind of cool to do a respite because we can decide uh, what we want to do with Nathaniel. So it's 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 cool. It's a busy weekend, but looking forward to it. So that's what's coming up for uh, my weekend. But before we get to the weekend, we have today's show and tomorrow's. So hopefully you stick around with us. Let's find out what's coming up on today's Kelly and Company. Michael Fair looks forward to participating in some online events and enjoying some excellent seasonal media. He tells us all about his personal festivities in a little bit. We talk about a Canadian Christmas staple, the World Juniors, with Sam Cosentino, NHL draft analyst, panelist at Sportsnet. Ah, little sports. Gotta love sports. <laughs> it too. And plus, today's roundtable guest 
is in the know contributor and fill-in co-host Margaret Weldon from In the Know, as I mentioned, and we're going to be having a special roundtable. So stay tuned for that in hour two, right here on Kelly and Company, jam-packed show as we always have. Uh, Danielle, we have kind of a heavier but positive heavier topic, and then we have a fun one. So let's start with the uh, heavier topic that is good news. Uh, NBA, WNBA star Brittany Griner is leaving a Russian prison after 293 days. Now, for those of you that don't know, um, 293 days ago, she was caught with uh, marijuana in her luggage and uh, the Russian authorities took it upon to uh, uh, hold her uh, there in Russia, and they did so for 293 days. In exchange, uh, the U.S. is sending back uh, someone that they held uh, from Russia, and so it's kind of a political swap, if you will. Um, It's kind of sad, Danielle, when you get these things, people get caught up in political battles. It's, It's kind of a good story that this has ended but it's it's gone on far too long oh it's it's really terrible and the person that she was swapped for i mean here we have a basketball player a non-political person who has you know was caught with just like a couple of vape cartridges with with, with marijuana oil and she's traded for a murderous arms dealer and it doesn't seem to me that uh, this is exactly a fair trade. And the U.S. is still trying to get another person out, a man named Paul Whelan. So, yeah, but I must say that I've been following the Brittany Griner story, and I am so relieved that she is back in the U.S. now. She She's much safer there than she was in prison in Russia. But let's, let's talk yeah. about something a little bit happier, and it's ice cream. I have to ask you a very important question. Do you eat ice cream in the winter? I sure do. I sure do. Will I stand outside and eat ice cream in the winter? No, I must be in a relative warm climate uh, to eat ice cream. But yes, I do love my ice cream in the winter. Why do you ask? Well, Brock, you seem to be missing out on the most important thing about eating ice cream in the winter, and that is eating it outside. Because in the summer, when you eat ice cream, it drips all down your arm and onto your clothes, and it makes quite a mess. But in the winter, you have the benefit of it not melting while you're eating it. So you can enjoy it for even longer, and you don't get quite as messy. So I think you may have to take yourself outside the next time you have ice cream in the winter. Apparently, and I'm not sure this is true because it was an ice cream company that said it was true, Canadians eat more ice cream in the winter than anybody else. I have also heard that Russians eat more ice cream in the winter than anybody else. And I thought, that's interesting. Two very cold countries And, you know, many people say, oh, ice cream, I only eat that in the summer because I, you know, it makes me cool down. Well, there are some experts, and I don't know what kind of experts, that say that if you eat ice cream in the winter, it makes you feel warmer. Do you buy that? I have heard that, that uh, anything cold that you eat will will make you warmer. I don't know if I I agree with this, but I have heard this 
uh, same sort of sediment. And again, I, I question the quote unquote study that was done on this, but yes. uh, we'll, we'll see. I, you know, and it doesn't really surprise me, Danielle, that uh, countries who are in colder climate are comfortable eating ice cream in the wintertime. That's because we are familiar with the cold climate and you can never get enough ice cream. That's the uh, truth. Yes. Something else that you can never get enough of is Kelly and Company, and we're just getting your Thursday going. And again, as I mentioned off the top, we're going to be joined by Michael Fair, who looks forward in participating in some online events and enjoying some excellent seasonal media. Stay tuned for that conversation and much, much more here on Kelly and Company. We'll be back. Welcome back to Kelly and Company, and I have to tell you that we love feedback here at AMI, no matter what show it's for, but in this case, we're talking about Kelly and Company. Uh, if you want to reach out to us by voicemail, it's one 509 or it's email, feedback at AMI.ca, Twitter is at AMI-audio, and if you go the voicemail route, do give us permission to play your message on the air otherwise we will not do so but somebody will still answer your question if that's the route you do and Danielle as I do the neutral zone uh, weekly I, we have a, a bumper that has the, the the phone number in it and so I often have to like underline the phone number when I do this because I, I'm afraid that I'm gonna like forget a number because I don't have to repeat it on this show but uh, Two shows, check, got through the numbers, so all good. I'm Brock Richardson, alongside Danielle McLaughlin. Well, Brock, I think you're a lot better at numbers than I am. I've, I now have trouble remembering my own phone number. So, you know, that's what that's the trouble with all those that's, devices, that's... right? You know, they all they remember them for you, and then if you're, you actually have to drag it out of your brain. But speaking of new devices and media... We have audio entertainment and tech contributor Mike Fair with us. As the holiday season gets going, Mike Fair looks forward to participating in some online events and enjoying some excellent seasonal media consumption. To cap off the year, he'll tell us about what he'll be enjoying. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hello. Doing pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, I would have to say that eating ice cream in the winter, I, I, I usually go for frozen yogurt, and it's indoors at my dining room table. I'm not doing it out on the balcony. That okay. would just be... <laughs> this may be you know, a new challenge time. for you. Yeah, yeah, have to go out there and give it a go. See what happens. Balconic <laughs> oh. yogurt marathon. I don't know. That's it. <laughs> could, could be worse. <laughs> So I understand you're going to be talking to us about the Golden Apple Awards. What are those? Well, every year, the AppleVis community, it's the community that is on AppleVis.com. So Apple and then V-I-S is Envision.com. It's a website that's sort of the grand central station for anything to do with apps uh, for blind people who are using Apple products. If you need information about it, you're likely to find useful stuff there. 
and they award golden apples uh, to the best. It's just a, a virtual golden apple uh, and bragging oh, wow. rights uh, <laughs> to the, the best app and the best game of in any particular year as voted on by members. And uh, there's no charge to be a member. You can just go and, and sign up, get an account with Applevis and vote. And uh, you have to do that uh, pretty soon. It's, uh, the, tight line, the timeline is pretty tight. <laughs> and what is the timeline? Do we know? Yes, uh, you have until the uh, 10th, the end of the 10th uh, of, of December to put cast your vote. You have to be a member to vote. Uh, and you have to be logged in to get uh, to see the voting form. And uh, there's an entry on the Applevis site called Cast Your Votes for the Golden Apple Awards. You go in there, and if you're logged in, the form will be there, and you can pick best game and best apps and uh, make your selections. If, if you want, you can uh, vote other and actually uh, put forward another app that isn't on the short list. So that's also a possibility. Some people do that. So we just have till Saturday. That's a uh, day after tomorrow yes. to submit votes. Yikes. Yep. Well, what are some of the apps and games which have been nominated? Well, it's, it's a good variety this year. Some, some years you don't get nearly as much uh, variety, but we have Envision AI, which is a massively uh, useful app uh, to use artificial intelligence in your camera. You have Revision Fitness is another one, very different. It's a health app that has described workouts for blind people, uh, very detailed. Uh, so those two are there. A new one, uh, Menus for All, and it basically gives accessible menus, provides accessible menus for restaurants in the U.S. and Canada. So there, and there's a couple others. I can't remember the other ones, but there, it's a nice variety there uh, for apps. Uh, and games, we have as Evidence 111, the game I reviewed not so long ago on this show, uh, To the Dragon Cave, uh, which came out much earlier in the year, and Ancient Board Game Collection, uh, which is accessible. They, they took all these old board games like from ancient history, and they've made computer versions and made it accessible to voiceover users. So very neat, very diverse group of apps and games there. So uh, hopefully a lot of people will uh, go and vote. Yes, it's always, you know, it's a good thing to vote when uh, people get engaged. That's how, you know, they know what's good and, you know, uh, on the contrary, not so good when uh, there's no votes. Uh, but Mike, uh, what is different about the Mushroom FM holiday countdown this year? This year, uh, because of the, the whole Twitter situation, uh, the decision was made to move the social interaction for people wanting to interact via social media. That's happening on Mastodon this year. Uh, other than that, things are pretty much going to be a typical countdown uh, and celebration. So uh, if you go to mushroom.com uh, slash countdown 2022, uh, you can read up on all the information and you can cast your votes for the t your top favorite 10 Christmas songs. And once you fill in the form and cast your votes, you will get invitations uh, to the party and uh, you'll be able to participate in the competition. You'll be uh, given a, a, a virtual table named after a, a reindeer. So it might be a dasher table or the blitzen table. Yeah. And 
you then uh, are, uh, what you do is you compete for Christmas crackers and you do that by answering questions. Either, and you don't have to be on uh, uh, the Mastodon. If you're not really comfortable signing up for Mastodon, uh, you, you don't have to. So that's a big, uh, they, they realize that not everyone's going to want to do that. There's, it's always a lively chatter on, on their social uh, media. So I'm certainly going to be on Mastodon participating. But you can email the host. They'll give instructions as the show happens. And you can email in uh, and tell them, you know, answer the questions, uh, email in things that you want to say to the group at large. And that uh, will possibly earn you Christmas crackers for your, your uh, table. So lots of fun. It's, uh, you have until the 15th to vote. And so the end of the 15th, uh, you have to get your votes in by then. And the party starts off on December 17th at 7 a.m. in the morning and goes all 10 hours. So it finishes up at about 5, counting down the top 100 songs, basically, uh, by tabulating everyone's top 10 choices and, uh, and, of course, having a lot of fun in between songs. Well, that sounds like a long party that starts at 7 in the morning. I, I wanted to ask you, Mike, are you, have you been on Mastodon a long time, or are you one of the people who, who uh, went there after they decided not to stick with Twitter? Well, I'm still on Twitter, but I am, I've got a Mastodon presence now. Uh, I'm still learning the ropes. It's very new to me, so I'm still discovering things and uh, following people and sort of building that up. Uh, and uh, I don't know whether I'm not ready to just jump off Twitter just yet, but uh, I am glad to have a plan B if Twitter does really flame out like some people think it might. And uh, so Mastodon, there are a lot of accessible ways to, do, uh, to join Mastodon. Uh, the most at large podcast, you can uh, listen to some recent episodes where they go through in, in quite uh, a lot of detail uh, everything you need to know to sort of get started and, and maybe find an app that will work for you. Uh, the Mastodon app has just gotten accessibility updates, so that's very nice. And uh, so people should, should check it out. And uh, certainly for Mushroom FM listeners, that's where they're going to have all of their uh social media presence from from here on out really at least the interactive stuff so yeah you have to this 15th of december so that's that's basically next thursday to get your votes in and uh, get ready to to party on the saturday that'll be a lot of fun cool. and mike do you do you have to use uh mastodon to participate in no. this party no, you can just email. Uh, the host will provide instructions on because on, they'll have their own email addresses, of course, and they'll be giving uh, them out as the party progresses. And you'll be able to just email uh, the host name with whatever the uh, uh, address is. And uh, usually they have mushroomfm.com addresses. And then they'll, they'll check that. They'll see those emails. And you'll be able to participate that way. And then some of the emails will be read on air uh, as, as time permits between songs. And uh, that's how the participation kind of works. Yeah, I gotcha. I just wanted to be clear there because I know you were talking about it a little bit, but I just wanted to be clear, to yeah. clear whether or not we had to use uh, Mastodon or not. No, there's, there's no need if you're not comfortable doing it. It's, uh, it's an optional thing. Great to know. And I'm curious, are there any new seasonal audio dramas that uh, you'd like to tell us about this year? 
Yes, uh, Audible has come through as it usually does. Uh, one of them I've, I've uh, given a link to in the notes, Oliver Twist. It's a new copy of Oliver Twist. Marty Ross has been involved, and he's done some great work. Uh, it has It's done in 3D audio, and they have a brilliant, diverse cast. They have wonderful sound. It just pulls you into the Dickensian world of Oliver Twist. Wonderful rendition of that. Uh, another one I just heard about yesterday, uh, The Mistletoe Murders. It's a new mystery series that is free for Audible members. Both of these are free. If you're a member of Audible, you can just grab these, add them to your library, and listen to them. And uh, so that's very generous on Audible's part, really high-quality stuff, and uh, just nice to see those two uh, there. So Audible has really dished out the goods this year. Everybody loves their old favorites. It's kind of like your comfortable blanket that you have. And I kind of envision, you know, being beside a fire and co- cozy up with your favorite blanket, hot, hot cup of cocoa. So for you, what are some old favorites that you'll be listening to over the holiday season? Well, we have our traditions there. And one of them, Sarah and I, every year, always listen to The Case of the Blue Carbuncle. It's a Sherlock Holmes story. It's part of the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. And we listened to it, the version done by Bert Cools. He did, uh, they did the whole canon. The BBC did the entire Sherlock Holmes canon with Clive Marison as Sherlock Holmes and Michael Williams as Dr. Watson. And it, they just did that. They nailed that story so well. And, and most the, the whole thing is so impressive. It's worth, you'd be spending about six credits getting every, all the pieces of this on Audible but boy, is it worth it. They did a wonderful job. And uh, the Blue Carbuncle is, is a big one for us. Um, there's also uh, there uh, and some other ones that we listen to. Uh, the Christmas Carol, they have a really good version of that on Audible by R.D. Uh, R. Carstairs is the, is the adapter of this. And so you want to be sure you get that one. It's also free uh, for Audible members. And amazing work there. Uh, really good uh, done done really well, uh, guest, uh, just well-paced, a nice rendition of the Christmas Carol story. Uh, over on Big Finish, uh, last year I reviewed The Box of Delights, and that is, is really going to be something that I try to listen to every uh, the Christmas season as well. Because it's, it's, well, Mike, it sounds of- like you've got so many good things for us, and there's nothing quite like the old favorites as as Brock was saying thank you so much for everything that you've brought to us and uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you again soon Mike Fair joins us weekly to discuss tech and or audio entertainment yes coming up next uh, Danielle's really excited about this one we're talking gardening with Susan Kearney who's going to give us gift ideas from the lovely rosemary plant so that's going to be a great conversation stay tuned for that next year on kelly and company we'll be back
we understand totally that this time of year is a busy time of year and we love your loyalty to Kelly and company but we also understand that sometimes you might have to go out and don't worry you can take us on the go here's how you can do that you can go to tune in radio oh tunes if you have one of the victor reader streams one of the new ones it's already a preset on it so it's very convenient for you and uh we can go with you wherever you do go during this holiday season time. And uh, before I hand things over to uh, Danielle McLaughlin, I want to say that uh, when, when you get the opportunity to uh, host Kelly and Company, as we've done uh, twice this week, as host, you get to pick, you get to say, okay, I'd like Danielle to do this one, this one, and this one. And this next one wasn't on Danielle's list initially. And she messaged me and said, can I be a part of this next conversation? Because I love gardening. Well, Danielle, here you go. I'm Brock Richardson alongside Danielle McLaughlin. Well, thank you for your generosity, Brock. Not only do I love gardening, I love Susan Kearney. Susan always brings us something interesting. And when I heard that Susan was going to join us today to give us information and gift ideas from the lovely rosemary plant, I got very excited because I have just brought in a rosemary plant from my garden. It's sitting in my porch and I have all sorts of questions about what I should be doing. So hello, welcome Susan and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, oh, I I hope you I hope you do very well with that um, plant. I've never been able to overwinter them so I might not be much help. Well, I haven't either, and that's why I wanted So this is what I've done. I'm, I will let you go on about what you want to talk about, but I have, I have to yeah. tell you, I brought it into my porch, which yeah. is a, uh, a, a, it has windows all around. It's not, it's not an open porch. And I'm hoping, <laughs> do you happen to know how cold it can get and still survive? Uh, that is, that, that, that is, uh, it is actually very fragile to the, to the, uh, cold. And mm. the reason being is because it is originally from the Mediterranean. And, um, so it likes the, you know, the, the warm, dry, uh, and, and very sunny. And if it's in a pot, you don't want the roots to freeze. That is, that was the mistake I think I've made several times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure, but you, you don't want that. So maybe wrap that pot up with some, um, with some um, bubble wrap and, and some newspaper. And, it, you know, if you're going to keep it there rather than bringing it actually indoors, um, I'm, I'm just thinking of the root system because it, it really does need warmth. It's a, it's a Mediterranean plant. Um, they do well in the, in, in the garden, but they are considered a shrub. None of mine have ever grown to be a shrub. <laughs> well, you know, I once visited Italy, and in the part uh, that that we were visiting, it grew like hedges around yes. the roadside. Yes, and absolutely. When, it was unbelievable. I kept thinking, what is that lovely scent, and what what is that plant? And I'm thinking, no way, that's not rosemary. It's up as high as my shoulder. How could that possibly yes. be? But it much does. different than we than than we have it here, and yeah. I think because it doesn't get the the length of um, uh, 
of warmth or um, as, as much of the sunshine and, and so on, and maybe even the soil, I'm not really sure. But yes, I was, um, yeah, uh, mine have never been shrubs. That would be, oh, I just think, wouldn't that be lovely to have oh shrubs of, of it? And while we're talking about it, and um, when she flowers, um, I've only had purple flowers, but many of the plants have pink and purple and blue and white, which mm. I, I think that would just be absolutely amazing. Um, I've had a couple that have um, had purple flowers, but nothing else. And now we'll get to her gifts because okay. she is extremely versatile. Um, you can bring her in to the kitchen. So if you have um, someone who likes to cook or likes to eat um, on, <laughs> on your list uh, to, um, you know, to, to put together olive oil, some sea salt, and some fresh rosemary. You can get fresh rosemary this time of year in the um, in the uh, area where you get your fresh vegetables and herbs, and and it's it's very lovely to um, put some of that fresh stuff in. So and you, all the combinations you can do with that. Um, this it's really amazing. It's an amazing um, herb uh, to to cook with. Um, very Mediterranean, and, and I like it, and it smells absolutely wonderful when you cook with it or serve it fresh uh, on on something. Um, cock, now it's becoming very popular in cocktails and mocktails. Uh, I've got family coming on Sunday, and uh, one of my family members is actually bringing ice cubes with fresh rosemary in it to put into cranberry um, and soda drinks. Looking forward to wow. that. Oh, oh yeah, that so, wonderful. Mm-hmm, yeah, so it should be really good. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm very happy about that that they're doing that. Um, and also, if you are, are doing decorating, uh, if you're making your own floral arrangements or giving a floral arrangement, uh, place some fresh rosemary in there. Uh, it's uh, supposed to be good luck and shows love. And support, so that that's a, a good thing. That is, is I guess, a tradition, uh, probably from the Mediterranean at some time that, that they would use fresh rosemary in in um, the uh, flower arrangement. So that that would be a nice. And then also, she's very good in a lot of cosmetics, um, and it's very good for you. For your hair, um, shampoos and conditioners, um, bath like the bath bombs, uh, have the rosemary in, and it's very invigorating. I believe it has a medicinal um, to the skin. It also is very good for your skin, your scalp, uh, and often it will be mixed with mint, which is very you know very nice too, and um, very invigorating. And we'll get to our um, the aromatherapy. Um, the, the aromatic oils of the uh, of the rosemary plant are good for for memory and uh, for concentration. So if you have to sit down and concentrate on something um, to learn something, or just really want to keep your your brain stimulated, uh, a little cotton ball uh, with some rosemary oil. Um, on it is very good. So if you know somebody who likes their aromatherapies, uh, a nice bottle of uh, rosemary oil uh, is is a very good gift too. That's wonderful. Can I just ask? Because I I'm yeah. listening to you talk, and and I'm thinking to myself, would it be fair to say this is the most 
uh, versatile plant there is. Like uh, you, the list you're saying, you're you're going on and on, and it's great. But I don't <laughs> think I've ever heard of another plant that can do so much. Am I wrong? Um, she, she is very versatile. Uh, there there are other plants that are also in in the same category. But yes, uh, rosemary is very versatile. I can imagine she you know she's She's edibles and it uses oils and different things and uh, decorating and, and yeah she she's I wouldn't say she was the most but probably uh, fairly close absolutely yes and, and Shakespeare even mentions rosemary for remembrance right so it, it, yeah. you know it, it's it's an old old plant it is yeah people have written about it for years and they name their mm-hmm. children after it I mean. Yeah. Many people know somebody called rosemary, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely, and and it's interesting that it has traveled um, from the Mediterranean into you know so many other different countries and and been you know uh, widely used in you know many many different many different times. So yeah, it's it's a lovely plant shrub. <laughs> I wish I yes. could grow mine. As <laughs> well, I, I don't think. Most of us living in Canada haven't seen it growing as a shrub because no. you know, our, our season just isn't long enough. But it's interesting no. about the flowers. Do, do they flower every year? Because I, I see the flowers not that often. Is it meant to flower I, every year? Well, I'm I'm really wondering whether or not you need a, a certain amount of, of it in your garden in order to make uh-huh. it um uh, to, to make a flower. I'm not really sure what would even pollinate it here, which is I- I- interesting too. I, um, I should look that up sometime. I didn't even think about that when I was, you know, reading about the, the flowering and, and so on, because I've had, I've had one of mine flower, but I'm not really sure that I didn't buy it when it was flowering, which is interesting. And, um, but, um, I, and, and it was, it was purple flowers. I thought, that they were only purple flowers. I didn't realize until I actually looked this this up, uh, being a shrub, that it can. Um, but I don't know what would pollinate it here. Uh, well, it'd I don't have to know. be some pretty tough bees, I think, because it's kind of um, <laughs> prickly, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, so it's a member of the, uh, I guess, the evergreen, um, mm-hmm. in in you know the evergreen family. So it yes, it it, it is very prickly, but. Uh, it, that that is interesting. I I didn't realize until I actually looked at it. I thought, hmm, <laughs> different colors of flowers, which was very well. That would be absolutely absolutely gorgeous. The smell and everything. If it was a shrub, but she is she's lovely. And if you can get some fresh rosemary and you know just even have it in a in a little vase, you know, on a table, it it just smells. It smells up the whole room. It just smells. So lovely. And it makes you think that you might just be somewhere in the Mediterranean. You could pretend anyway, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Nice, nice and warm. And yes. Oh, that's just, yeah. It's so it's so nice. nice. Now, you have some gift ideas for us as well? Susan? Yes. We, well, I, I was thinking about that, um, putting a basket together with it, you know, the, the olive oil, the sea salt and fresh mm-hmm. rosemary for um, somebody. And then also the um and if you wanted to pick up the cosmetics that have rosemary in them and of course then uh, um the the essential oils uh the of of rosemary uh which would be a, a good gift anything that rosemary comes in but then you can also get um 
lots of different crackers you can put in, you know, onto a cheese tray yes. that have olive oil and and um, and and rosemary. I, I, really, she she comes in many you know, many different um, different things that you can put into you know into a gift basket or um, just to. to Take if you if you're um, asked to you know go somewhere for for dinner or a, a cocktail party um, that's you know that's it's a nice thing to take so with rosemary anything with rosemary in it would be very nice. That's a great idea and and of course mm-hmm. you can always make some really nice spaghetti sauce and throw a little rosemary into that too. Right? Oh, absolutely! Oh yes, oh, yes, rosemary in, in spaghetti sauce. Or um, my husband does a holiday roast with um uh rosemary and pink peppercorns uh nice. fresh rosemary and pink peppercorns it's uh, apparently it looks really beautiful and it tastes very nice it's it's a very very mediterranean tasting and very lovely uh so he he makes that once in a while i think he's doing it again this year so that at least that's the plan <laughs> he sounds well, like I a mean, good guy susan yeah <laughs> <laughs> a keeper if you need a taste tester, I will take one for the team and, <laughs> and, uh, and taste test it. That would be no problem for me. Yeah, wow. it's very well, good. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, I have to say, I, I feel um, I'm going to try to rise to the challenge. I'm going to cover my the pot of rosemary with bubble wrap to see if I can get it through the, the winter time. And thank yeah. you so much for all of this wonderful, charming stuff about rosemary. Good, and good luck with your rosemary plant. Thank you. Now, that was our dear friend Susan Kearney joining us to talk about gardening. Tune in for our gardening chats with Susan every second Thursday on Kelly and Company. Wow. I mean, just the the detail and the stuff that the rosemary plant can, can do. I mean, I know she said it wasn't necessarily the top of the list, but... Uh, it's, it's got to be up there. And, and the the food she was talking about, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, now I'm hungry. Yep. <laughs> I'm always hungry when I do this show. I don't know what it is. Uh, well, I learned a lot about rosemary plants. And now it's time for Danielle to learn about a Canadian staple. The World Junior Hockey Championships are just around the corner. We're joined by Sportsnet's Sam Cosentino next on Kelly and Company. Stay with us. Totally honest with the uh, audience out there. I cannot think of another variety show where you can go from a rose rosemary plant to then talking sports. That's exactly what we're gonna do. And you never really know what Kelly and Company is gonna throw at you from uh, Monday to Friday, unless you're like a real avid listener and you know exactly which contributors coming up when. But uh, our next uh, guest slash contributor is someone that I have had the pleasure of talking to and interviewing on uh, the Neutral Zone, and I'm talking about Sam Cosentino, who is with Sportsnet, and he is a panelist and analyst, and literally every time I turn my TV on, 
he's somewhere on there. Sam, welcome back to our program. Nice to have you along. Hey, Brock. Thanks for having me. Uh, how you, how's everything going? Everything's going well. I'm, uh, you know, wearing multiple hats, as usually you talk to me over on our sports show, which you'll do in a couple of weeks. But pleasure to be joined by you now. Um, Sam, I kind of mentioned it, but uh, what have you been up to lately in regards to uh, Sportsnet? And I see you all over the TV, but what what's your roles now? Yeah, things have changed a little bit. So when the, when the CHL rights uh, left, Sportsnet that kind of left me in a in a little bit of a lurch. And last year, um, they asked me to to come in and, and do some studio work on NHL games. And you know, I got a bunch of reps doing that, and it was something that I always figured I could do. Um, and I think it worked out better for both me and Sportsnet than than either of us had anticipated at the start. So uh, that's sort of morphed into the gig of um, you know being a guy who can be in the booth in an NHL game, which, which happens occasionally, uh, not as much as I'd like, but uh, still happens. So that's great. Uh, someone who works in the, in the studio, uh, supporting our, our national and regional telecasts and someone who continues to work in the draft. So it's really a hybrid role, if you will, I, I you know, because I'm not an ex player. Um, it, it, I think it's, maybe open some doors it's closed some others uh but the fact of the matter is sportsnet uh, views me as a, as a valuable kind of uh swiss army knife if you will and um and i'm happy to play that role so uh, it's been good so sometimes you'll see me on wednesdays and fridays and sometimes you'll see me in the booth on a saturday night and other times you'll uh see me uh talking about the draft and, and prospects and, and other things so it's uh, it's really cool because it kind of keeps you on your toes and uh there's a lot of variety to it so i, I i'm lucky to, to still have a good gig oh, sounds like you're very busy it's good i i enjoy it that's good to, it's funny good though to because yeah it's funny because like you know, people maybe don't see me on TV as much or on, on, on big events. And so they wonder like, are you still working or what are you doing? But a lot of my work is, is behind the scenes. It's talking to people. It's, it's creating draft lists. It's watching video on players and that sort of thing. And, and it's getting out to games, um, all stuff that I really, really enjoy. It helps me to continue to build the network. So I, I'm lucky to be busy doing the things that I love to do. Probably a lot like you guys over there. That's great, yeah. Sam. Sam, I was wondering about uh, Hockey Canada's negative press. Do you think that this will have an effect on this year's tournament? You know, lots of people have been focused on some pretty unpleasant things going on. Yeah, there's no, there's no question about it. So definitely from a monetary perspective and a sponsor perspective, uh, I think we've already seen a significant impact. Um, from a fan perspective, though, uh, you will you will I'm sure see some impact either in the TV numbers or the, the live audience uh, on site numbers. Uh, but by the same token of what has happened in the past, sometimes it can be difficult to hold this year's group of kids to the standards or to the same level in which you despise the things that have happened with those groups previously. In other words, the kids that are representing Canada this year at the world juniors 
weren't involved in what happened in 2018 or 2003. The group itself, in terms of Hockey Canada and some of the management people, were definitely present then. And those people are, I think, haven't been held to their full account yet, but I do think it's coming. Um, and so there is that to, to, to consider. But in terms of strictly just watching the 23 players that are going to be on that team, um, you have to, I think, also consider the fact that those players were not involved in what happened in 2018. And, and so you can choose at that point to support those, those players by going and purchasing tickets live or, or going to watch it on television. Now, I, I feel kind of odd asking you this question, but I'm going to do it anyways, because for the, for the casual audience member, they may not realize this. And I think when you look at, you know, sponsors pulling out uh, from Hockey Canada, people, people question whether or not events would be able to run. Was the World Juniors ever in doubt because of the sponsors pulling out or was this thing running, you know, come blank or high water, if you will? No, I, I think there was some doubt for sure. I mean, these events really, they don't run without sponsorship. They don't get the kind of TV play uh, that they get without, without advertisers and, and sponsorship. And so, you know, I think there are some that have remained, you know, I, I guess if you're going to pull anything positive from, a, from just purely from a money perspective, some of those funds have been redistributed a little bit, and I think that's a good thing, you know, right. to to the women's game, to the para, to the para games, um, and I think that's a good thing actually. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of a reckoning in in all of that. But to get back to the original question as to whether or not this World Juniors was in peril, I think at some points it was, um, but on the government, because from what I can understand and what I was reading earlier today. You know, the governments are holding Hockey Canada to account that there's going to be uh, specific training needed to be taken by players and staff in both New Brunswick and Nova Scotia in order for their teams to participate. And I think that's a good thing. I, I'm, I'm glad that it's the government who stepped up to hold people to account and not let necessarily allow Hockey Canada to govern itself because this is why we're, we're in this predicament in the first place. Yeah, I think you, you had to see... Um you know, some authority step up to kind of help navigate through this process. If we look at um, this year's team, obviously there is such a turnover from year to year with uh, this team. And I was uh, watching a uh, preview show and there was thought of uh, three players returning, of which was announced uh, today or late last night. Uh, Shane Wright would be one of them. Uh, how big of a role will he play on this team? Well, I mean, he should have a prominent role. Um, you know, by proxy, typically the NHL teams have a pretty good idea in which role the player is going to play before releasing that player. Because, hey, you know, if you're the Seattle Kraken, you're in a playoff position, and while they haven't used Shane a lot, they also don't want him to take a step backwards and, and not be used a lot there either. They, if, you know, if he wasn't going to be used a lot in either case, they'd rather not use him a lot in the national hockey league, if that makes any sense to you. So I, I think by proxy of that, I'd probably have a pretty prominent role as a number one or two center. Um, and remember he's reunited with a couple of guys, one in particular, Brennan Hoffman, who 
he's had a boatload of success with going back to his minor hockey days. So I think um, they're they're going to lean on him pretty good. Yeah, I, I think the, the you know I, I think he's played somewhere in and around like it's under ten uh, games that he's played with Seattle. Uh, what's a what's a benefit to Seattle for for sending him? Because the obvious answer to this is oh we don't want to see him get injured. Uh, no guff. Uh, but what is the benefit to to Seattle in saying look go go and do this? We want you to do it. Benefit is you get back with kids that are your own age. And you can kind of live that kid life a little bit again, if you will. Um, not only, you know, off the ice and getting to hang with buddies who are more like-minded, um, you know, he's in the NHL and probably half of his team or more is married with kids and they're kind of doing their own thing before and after practices and so on and so forth. Here you're going to be locked right into the event with kids your own age who have similar interests, uh, video games or, or movies or, uh, or that sort of thing. So I think right. that's a huge, a huge benefit, but the opportunity to go and, and to play a lot, which he hasn't had that opportunity other than his short time in Coachella Valley in the American hockey league this year, he just hasn't had a lot of time to do that. Um, and so that's probably the biggest benefit is what's going to be afforded to him on ice. And that's the ability to play a lot, to be leaned on in, in key high leverage situations. And uh, you know, obviously the, the hope is and the expectation is when someone's loaned to team Canada, that they're also going to have a winning experience. And I think Canada right now is positioned to, to do that. Right. And I guess we're going to, we only got a couple of minutes left here, but I do want to finish up on one of the bigger question marks and that is goaltending uh, in about one minute. What is the biggest concern about goaltending? And do you believe it's going to get straightened out? You have two younger goaltenders, so winning this event with a younger goaltender is always a challenge. You have two veteran netminders who, one in Tyler Brennan out in Prince George, who's actually played well this year, and another in Ben Gaudreau who, in Sarnia who hasn't had a good year. So, you know, how is it all going to play out? You know, camp is going to be the big determinant there uh, as to who plays best in camp. Uh, but I would have to agree it's it's a little bit of a shaky spot going in right now. But I do think with the four goaltenders, you know, they'll they'll take uh, probably three of them and leave one of them on ice, uh, meaning like on the you know in the seats just in case there's an injury and they don't have to fly someone out to the East Coast. But you know, I do believe that camp will get things settled, and and you have to wonder for those guys too if getting the opportunity to represent their country is not. Uh, to kind of get them back playing at their top of their game, um, that that can happen as well. So, uh, you know, if you had to look at the three positions between forward, D, and goalie, you'd probably have your most question marks in, in goal right now. Right, yes. Well, Sam, uh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to do this interview on uh, this program, and we'll be talking to you again soon on uh, the Video Neutral Zone uh, podcast on the uh, 18th released on the 19th. Thanks so much for doing this. Awesome. Thanks. Take care. And that was Sam Cosentino, who is the analyst for Sportsnet and uh, talking to us all about the World Junior Hockey Championship. Hour two is around the corner. Accessible gaming with Debbie Williams, where she highlights a fun party game. The round table is also coming up with Margaret Weldon. And we kick off hour two with the buzz with Bill Shackleton. 
Stay tuned for that next. You're on Kelly and Company for hour two. We'll be back. Welcome back to Kelly and Company, and hour two is upon us. I'm your host for today, Brock Richardson, filling in for the vacationing, at least for one additional day. Amethyn is Danielle McLaughlin, and uh, I did see a sighting of Ramia yesterday. It was kind of uh, odd because she was uh, behind the glass in the studio while we were doing the show, so it was one of those things uh, where it's like, Oh, there's Rumia, and I'm doing her show. Cool, but it was <laughs> it was nice to uh, catch up with her, and I uh, hope she's uh, having a wonderful vacation. And Kelly will return uh, with me tomorrow afternoon as we uh, wind down the week and wind down Kelly and Company as it is branded as they move towards Kelly and Rumia on January the 9th. And tomorrow is the last day of uh, live programming before we make the switch. But we don't want to get too far away from that right now because we have the Buzz with Bill, which we lead off the second hour, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Bill, I was telling Danielle, I love to ride with the audience with your articles. So what do you have for us today? Well, we're going to do this one first. Amid outcry, San Francisco um, pauses the pauses killer police robots very interesting article so um they a couple of days ago san francisco was given the go-ahead to use police killer robots which would be um have the ability um as a last resort to deliver a lethal force um so among um, amid protests and, and uh, outcry, they've decided not to do this. I guess they basically stood back and said, "Well, maybe we better take another look at this." Um, so the idea is that people were saying that is this sort of a out of a science fiction movie? I mean, it's like um, you know, it's the technology is becoming so sophisticated. And you have to wonder, I mean, this issue apparently is going to come back. And it wouldn't be... Whoever, I I have to ask, whoever thought it was a good idea to have robots use deadly force? I mean, it's just like that sort of thing where you think, well, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, what what was the idea behind it to begin with, do you know? Well, it was was that if if police were in danger... And and that sort of thing that you would they would have the ability to do this. I'm not sure I totally disagree with it either, though. Um, I think as a, it, they were going to be they were to be used as a last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I if I really disagree uh, with it. It's like sort of like tasers. I mean, do you use them or do you not? I can see where the debate is, um, and and I can certainly understand. There that they're that they put a pause on this, and I'm not sure that it's not. I mean, you know that it's it's it it probably if if it's used correctly might be a good thing or maybe not. Well, I think you kind of don't you kind of wonder um, 
you must really trust the technology really well oh, yeah. if you yeah, you know to put deadly force in the hands of something that I mean if if you look at like self-driving cars a lot's gone wrong with that technology and you know and, and that wasn't intended to kill with something that is intended to kill it sounds mighty frightening to me I mean whether it's a good idea or not I, I is it perfect yet Oh I don't think it is I don't know that yeah that's you know whether it ever will be. Um, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you're right. It's it's still kind think, of interesting. I oh, think yeah. so, Bill. The, the part that's sort of troubling to me is everyone's definition of last resort can, well, can, be, very, can be very different. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to get into, you know, a, a political conversation here, but, you know, using the... Um, what the government's having trouble with right now with, you know, whether they were able to, to use the clause that they did were, you know, allowing police to do more than they are normally able to do. And that's the challenge. If you leave it up to us as humans to decide now is the last resort, I could pull 10 people or even more. And I bet you I could get 10 different reasons as to what is considered a last resort. And so I, I can appreciate and understand the idea. I'm just not sure of the terminology of last resort and whether that would be too far of a stretch. Well, I guess that's, you know, why one of the reasons why they voted against it. I mean, what is the last resort and who makes the final, you know, decision? I mean, yeah, it's um, as I say, it's a very it's a very complicated issue. And apparently it will be right now it's going to be in committee. And it's, it was sent back for further study, but yeah. it's apparently going to come back. Well, I can see using robots to disarm explosive devices and, and things like oh. that, where, you know, if they get if they get destroyed, it, at least it wasn't a human who got destroyed. But when it, it's used in an aggressive fashion, I think they do have a lot of questions they're going to need to ask. And you're so right, Brock you know, what is a last resort anyway? And I don't think we know the answer to that question. Do oh, I don't, I don't think we and, do either. And they'd have to define that for me first, like a, a, a black, and I'm not even sure that this is possible. Like for me, for me, the, the, the language I'd like to use is you'd have to really define black versus white. What is last resort? And I don't know if I can say this is definitively what I would use as the definition of last resort. Certainly you could ask, your assisted devices right now, what they believe the definition of last resort, but everyone twists that into make it their own. So to me, I think the the first step in order to bring this back is clearly defining what is considered a last resort bill. Good idea. Yeah. We'll see where this one goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else now, do you have for us um, that uh, well, won't make us so upset? <laughs> well, this next one is kind of interesting. If you have a killer instinct and a need to fight the real enemy, um, you could be New York City's first rat czar. <laughs> Let me just read. This is kind of humorous, but I'll just read the beginning of this. Um, New York City is recruiting a new director of rat mitigation to rid its streets of its most notorious and furry inhabitants. So apparently there is a, the office of the, 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 well, the deputy mayor in New York 
has offered a position for somebody, maybe me, I don't know, <laughs> to be a, a rat czar. And I'm just going to read the qualifications because they're really funny. Here's what you need to be. You need to be highly motivated. You need to be somewhat, yeah, bloodthirsty, right? Uh-huh. With both with both stagecraft um, and a general aura of badassery. That's kind of, <laughs> I love that. Um, it's, that's why it make it makes it kind of funny, doesn't it? When you read when you read those words, um, as the mayor said, you you know when you walk down the street in New York, and they do have a real rat in hold, well a rodent uh, problem. When you they walk do. down the street, or, or well, if you walk into a building, it takes away from the community. So they are offering you somebody to do this. But the here's what's really interesting. The money they're offering, $120,000 to $170,000 a year to basically kill rats. I mean, my, you know, she was, I wish I had that kind of job. <laughs> yeah, but well, Bill, know, the, that... the, only, the only qualification that I would have in that is motivated. So I think I would need a little, <laughs> a little bit more than, than uh, just the motivated to want to do this like hairy rats no thank you and i i shudder at the number of rats they would have in uh in new york city oh if they have yeah. if they have to make a position for this like it just makes my skin crawl uh, well, yeah it kind of reminds me of that old fable of the pied piper of hamlin you know where they they have a problem with the rats and they they hire somebody and he he ends up with you know getting all of the children of, of the town and taking them out of the right, town because right. they didn't right. pay him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think this will be an interesting thing to see. I, I heard that they had actually hired somebody and, and she oh, they may have. is they Yeah. And she's uh, apparently well motivated, just, just like you would be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. I want to wonder how many rats they kill in a day or a week or something like that, or a month or. or I don't want to um, know, Bill. Sort of I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it might be more than more, too, maybe it, it could be in the category of too much information, right? Yeah, yeah I guess so. Can we <laughs> can we squeeze in one more? We've got about a minute or so. Um, well, basically, Apple Music is offering you a chance to sing with your favorite artist. So basically, it's a takeoff on karaoke. So when you have Apple Music and you already have the lyrics, now you can speed them and slow down and make them in sync with the music. So you don't need any big karaoke machines anymore. Uh, apparently, they have um, 15 playlists. And this is going to be launched just before Christmas so that people get together and sing and that sort of thing. It's kind of interesting if you're into karaoke um, and you can speed up and slow down the lyrics. I, I'm not into karaoke personally, but it will be interesting to see how well this feature takes off. I, Bill, can they make I you sw- look- sing in tune? That's the big question. Yeah, that's, right? yeah, you do. You can, that you can speed down the lyrics or slow them down. Right. So you're in tune. Okay. Bill, I need a lot of courage to sing karaoke. Oh, I do too. If you I can too. catch I... my, my my drift on this one, that would be me. <laughs> to to get me up there with a mic, I can do live radio all day long, but sing, I need just a tad 
of courage. Bill, thank you so much uh, for doing this. And I understand that this is uh, your last time. You're off uh, tomorrow. So best of the season to you. And thanks so much for all that you do for this program and uh, others on the network. All right. Thanks a lot. Hi, Billy. Thank, Thank you. That's Bill Shackleton who joins us Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We're going to have a special appearance tomorrow by Margaret Weldon, who will be filling in in two places tomorrow. But I'll tell you about that in a little bit on the program. Coming up next, uh, we're going to talk a little bit of gaming. We're going to talk about four, the number, hidden words. Stay tuned for that next year on Kelly & Company. We'll be back. During the holidays, we've uh, run some uh, special programming, and we've done uh, It's a Wonderful Life. We've done a few plays, as a matter of fact. And uh, this year, we're going to do something else special. On December 17th, we're going to run a podcast called Seen and Not Heard. Uh, Caroline Minx is the author and star of the podcast. This is a fictional story about a young woman named Bette who lost a significant amount of her hearing and suddenly in her late teens and adjusting to life with her disability from struggling with romance, her uh, parents learning ASL and dealing with day-to-day life. And this is called Seen and Not Heard. And at the end of the podcast, uh, Jacob Chemansky is going to have an interview with the author, Caroline Minx, again, This is seen and not heard at 11 a.m. Eastern on December the 17th on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Danielle McLaughlin. Today, uh, which is the second Thursday of the month, we get Accessible Gaming with Debbie Williams. How are you, Debbie? I'm good, Danielle. How are you? I'm very well, and I'm very curious because I understand that we're highlighting a fun party game called Forbidden Words. What's the object of this game? So basically, the object of the game is to guess the buzzword um, without using some forbidden words. So it's played quite a bit like Taboo, if you've ever played it. Um And so let me start with what the game comes with. So the game has um, cards, and on each card it has a buzzword. So, for example, the buzzword could be Las Vegas, and it'll have like four forbidden words. So casino, gambling, the strip, and what happens, right? Those are all things that are associated with Las Vegas. Um, And then it has a timer and some penalty chips. So the object of the game is to get your teammates, so you split up in teams, is to get your teammates to guess Las Vegas 
by giving them clues, but not using any of those forbidden words. So you can't use any of the um, the four forbidden words. So, so those are like the most obvious fun. words, right? That you would use if you were Ex- trying to get them to, yeah, to guess Las Vegas. Exactly, Ooh, exactly. So sometimes it's hard because we, we associate things, you know, certain things with, with certain words, right? So you have to try to get um, get really creative. So how we would set this up is you would set up in teams. So you would do two teams. Um, you would have a guessing team and a non-guessing team. And then you could decide who plays first. And you can have a little bit of fun with deciding who plays first. You know, pick the oldest or pick the youngest or pick somebody who's got the least followers on Instagram. Anything, right? <laughs> so you <can> imagine... <laughs> <laughs> you know or pick, pick somebody who's got kids somebody who doesn't have kids just you know make it funny right so the person takes a card out of the box and holds it up and shows it to the to to the room right they don't see it but the room does and their teammates has 60 seconds to get them to guess the words so if we're all on one team and I'm holding up the cards. You and Brock have 60 seconds to get, get me to, to say the buzzword without using these, the forbidden words. If you use the forbidden words and the opponent, the opposite team figures it out, they can call you out and you take a penalty chip, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah, so this is where it gets a lot of fun, right? So everybody has to really listen. Um, each card is worth one point. So once you get the buzzword, if you get it within 60 seconds, you could take another card. Right. So if you get Las Vegas right away, then you just take another card and continue until your 60 minute timer is up. Right. You don't have to use the timer that's in the box that they just use one of those little sand timers. You can use your smartphone. Right. Or your smart device. Um, That makes it a little bit more accessible. You can also increase the time so you can do two minutes instead of one minute. That gives people a chance to read the words and get ready to to do this. Right. and you, and then once you're done, then another player takes a card and it continues on. And then the next team switches. So you become the guessing team and then the other team becomes the opposite team, the opponent. So it's really fun. Um, there are three sort of three types of, of ways that you could play. You could play a short game. So the first, the first team, the 10 points wins. You could play the sort of regular game. The first player, 25 points wins. Or you could play a marathon where it's like the first players to 100 point, the first wins. Um, so that just, you know, makes it a little bit, a little bit more challenging. Can you imagine having to do this for 100 points? Oh my goodness, <laughs> that would take take the evening for sure. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Um, now, now, are are do the cards come with braille as well, or they, or you you need to have a sighted person to 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 read the cards, or how does that work? No, this one doesn't. Um, for myself, the print is actually large enough that I can see it. But you can actually use seeing AI, of course, with your headphones. Oh, I actually tried it. So I stuck a fo- uh, a card like, you know, four feet away and I pointed my phone to it and it actually read the card. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. <laughs> um, and the way the way we played it, I played it with about four friends over the weekend. And what we did, we didn't use the timer or we weren't keeping scores. We were just doing it to pass the time, you know. Um, so 
we would just show it to everyone else and they would have to try to make us guess what the word is. When it wasn't my turn, I would just take the card, bring it up close and, and then read it, right? So there was no um, there was no time limits or anything. So it was just really, really fun. We just went back and forth and everybody took their turn. So you could play it that way too. You could just do individual, right? So if you have a small group and you don't want to do teams, you just, you know, you're just, again, passing the time, right? So you can just, everybody takes a card and takes their turn. So it's, it's, it's kind of fun that way too. There's no, it's not as competitive, but there's no time limit, right? I find personally with games that have time limits on them, I find them very challenging because I could read here, the stuff here. never fast I enough. I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You, you know, can never get. The, the trouble for me with games such as this one is when you can't use specific words. As soon as I see the word that I can't use, the only word that can come to my mind in in this case is the buzzword. And so I'm constantly like, the, the strip. No, I didn't want to do that. So like, I am comical to sit there and play this with because it's like, you can't say this. What do I come out with? The buzzword that I can't say. It's, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Like, what do the chips equate to? 
Oh, so each card is worth one point, and each penalty chip is worth minus one. So if you have ten cards, that means you have ten points. But if you have a penalty chip, it's minus one. So then your score would be nine. So that oh, adds gotcha. a little bit of gotcha. fun, gotcha. right? So if you say a forbidden word, then you take a, your team takes a penalty chip. So that's how that works if you're doing the sort of competitive thing, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. Brock, how did you find the accessibility with the heads up? Or were you playing um, with mostly sighted peers? I actually, I uh, see, because I have uh, some usable vision as well. I thought that that game, the font was, was big enough. It it pretty much takes up basically the entire face of the device that you're using. So it's, it's, it's well um, fonted, if that is a word. Um, but it, mm-hmm. it's, it, and the, the, um, the lighting in the back is also the contrast is really well. It was, it's blue and it's uh white writing. So I found it really accessible, but uh, yeah. I, I oh, found it was a bit difficult when you had to like flip the phone to get the next, um, the next word. I, 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 I just, ne- my family yelled at me every time because I just didn't get it to, <laughs> to, I don't know what I was doing wrong, but it didn't work for me and it worked for everybody else. So. Cause you got to yeah, get I, it on a, you got to get it on a specific sort of like angle to, to yeah. tilt it so that it registers that you either got it or you didn't. And so, right. yes, I agree, Danielle. That's, that's a, that's a down is, is correct versus up. Like you got to point it up towards the ceiling. So if it's on your forehead, you know, you got to, it's facing yeah. the room and then you tilt it up versus for wrong and down for not and that can be a bit tricky but uh, i got yelled at a lot but that's my family what can i tell you (laughs) (laughs) that's always that there's always a lot of yelling going on at games night but this is i'm loving this back and forth how you're teaching you guys are teaching me something and i'm teaching you something so this is really cool i'm definitely downloading the app now okay well listen thank you so much debbie that was really a, a lot of fun That was Debbie Williams teaching us about the game Forbidden Words, and we get accessible gaming on the second Thursday of the month. Talk to you soon, and have a great holiday. Well, what we get at this point in the Thursday show is the roundtable, and uh, we've assembled a special roundtable that I am in charge of. And in the No Contributor, Margaret Weldon will join us after the break for the roundtable. Stay with us. It'll be fun, I promise. Isn't it convenient that we have a round table? Well, it's actually oval. Just say it. The blind guy feels it now goes, <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. There's uh, no denying that I make it very well known that I love any contribution I get to make on Kelly and Company, whether as a contributor, co-host, host, whatever role I get to do. And today, for me, this one is special because... I have loved the roundtable. The roundtable was the uh, first introduction I had to uh, Kelly and Company when I went to school way back in uh, 2015. 
and it's an honor, but we're kind of in a little bit of a bittersweet day today because this marks the last roundtable as branded as Kelly and Company. The roundtable will continue when we move over to Kelly and Ramia, but this is the last one under the brand of Kelly and Company. Remember that they will go live on January the 9th on AMI-TV and AMI-audio simulcast. So we thought we would get together and put a special roundtable together with all of the backup co-hosts. So I'm talking about myself, Brock Richardson. I'm talking about Danielle McLaughlin, who you know from Know Your Rights, and the In The Know contributor, and thus many other things, as well as a backup co-host, Margaret Weldon. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. And welcome, Margaret. Oh, thank you. Gee, I, I, I almost, I, it was funny, I was listening to you guys on the TV and suddenly the phone rang and I said, yeah, it's roundtable time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, this is, I, I love the idea of the three of us getting together. It feels a bit like a conspiracy. <laughs> I, yes, <laughs> we are going to, we are going to be nice to the roundtable. It's going to be fun. But uh, in true fashion of the, uh, Kelly and Company Roundtable, I did not share the uh, topics with any of my co-hosts to the point that I got the script this morning and I thought, where are the roundtable notes? Oh, I have them in a separate document. Right. So let's start here. Let's go back to the beginning of all of our involvements on Kelly and Company and where it all began. Margaret, start with you on this one. Well, actually, um, the Kelly and Company show came along at a particularly good time for me. I I was sort of going, um, I was trying to deal with with the loss of my partner, and Kelly came to me and said, you know, um, there's a gentleman, Bill Shackleton, that um, wants to, you know, that's going to do a segment on the show, but needs some help to do some research. And, you know, he said, how about you coming on and and doing, you know, helping, showing Bill how to do some of the research, and then you guys could do uh, segments together. And I said, well, I, I don't know. He said, oh, come on, at least just give it a try. So I, I did that. I, I came and uh, I, I met Bill and um, the rest of the, the, the gang at the time. And, and it's been a match made in heaven for me ever since. It gives me something to do. Um, and, and, you know, I, I've, I've learned a lot of things, got to enjoy a lot of great new experiences and meet a lot of great people. So that's been, that's my story. Danielle? Well, I had the enormous great fortune of having worked with Kevin Philippopoli, who at that time was uh, working with Kelly. And uh, Kevin contacted me and he said, I want you to meet somebody um, and talk about uh, rights. And I thought, well, rights, that's right up my alley. So I met with Kevin and Kelly and we really hit it off. And I thought, this guy's a lot of fun. And he gets that... um, you know, you can talk about rights without always being deadly serious, and uh, there's lots to laugh about. So uh, Kelly invited me on the very first day of the very first show to do a Know Your Rights segment, and as they say, the rest is history. Um, I have to say that the the training that the three of us did, which I'm sure you recall as well as I do, uh, in the boardroom at AMI, where um, our uh, producer, Matt, um, pretended that things went wrong and we had to figure out what to do about it is um, singed in my memory as a particularly anxiety-provoking period of time. But uh, we got through it, which um, 
I'm, I, I thank everybody for their support with that. I, even though I, I, to this day, I'm never quite sure if, if Matt isn't teasing us when something, you know, mostly things don't go wrong. So when they do, I'm thinking, is Matt teasing us again? I'm not sure. <laughs> it was those wonderful cookies, I think. Remember, oh, yeah. remember you, you brought the cookies that day. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I yes. did. I forgot about that. That's right. Yes, yes, the cookies. <laughs> And in yeah. true Kelly and Company fashion, you always have to have food or talk about food in some way. Uh, That's right. So it's it's very good. Um, for me, it started, I um, met with Melanie Taddeo in 2015, and I took the uh, Accessible Voice and Broadcasting course, as did Margaret, uh, a few years later. And... Um, AMI was an integral part of the course, and I remember uh, Melanie telling me about uh, six months into my internship after taking the course, you should pitch the neutral zone to Andy Frank, who is still the manager of AMI-audio to this day. And I said, man, I, I'm, I don't think I'm ready for that. I, you know, I, I think we need to, you know, fine-tune it. We'll, we'll do that. And then I'll pitch it. And she said, nope, nope, do it now. Because if you don't, you never will. So I, I, I called him and he came, I think, for a, a talk of some kind with the course. And we sat in a room and he uh, put us with uh, Nick Lisk, who was uh, the, the summer student in uh, 2015. And the rest is history there. As for how I got involved with Kelly and company, I remember being asked to be on a roundtable and um, I sat in the control room uh, with Matt and I was just eyes wide. And I remember sitting there and I was so terrified because I'm like, I'm going on this round table, but like, I don't know any of the topics. Like what, what, what are we talking about? And Matt's like, it's okay. You'll be fine. You'll be good. I, well, I don't do that. I need to prepare. And this, and to this day, the round table has been my favorite thing because you never do know exactly what direction Kelly or Ramia is going to go with, with the conversation. And for me, that's kind of where it's uh, gotten to. I wanted to ask you guys, as contributors, you both uh, do contributing. Um, has there been a favorite topic that you've brought to the table that stands alone from the other ones? Danielle, start with you. Very interesting question. You know, I have to say that while I've been focused on uh, rights and freedoms much of my life, working on AMI has really brought into focus the whole issue around disability rights. And, you know, I, I can tell when I'm on a good topic, when I start getting really angry, <laughs> you know, and thinking about how unfair or unjust something is. And so when I've had an opportunity to talk about um, you know, human rights legislation, legislation around uh, rights issues where I feel that people with disabilities haven't been heard from enough, or they haven't been represented enough, or worse, been ignored when they have, uh, you know, tried to, to make representation. Those are the things that I think I feel I've been able to make a contribution toward that I haven't hadn't done before. So, you know, and, and it's wonderful to be able to work with Kelly and Ramia and you too, because you, you're teaching me something every time we have a conversation. So for me, it's it's more what I've learned than what I've offered. And Margaret? 
Okay. Um, I, I, geez, I, I think for me there's there's a few of them, but I think for me, I, I have to say I, the Christmas stuff I did last year was kind of fun with the Santa Claus parade, um, you know, just because it was happy and because it kind of got everybody a bit of a break from thinking about the COVID-19 that we were all still kind of trying to deal with. Um, so I, I think that was a favorite topic. And I think another one was uh, one I did on the Bronte Sailing um, Harbor Yacht Club where people give up their boats for a week in Oakville and then they, they let blind people come out and sail them. And I think I like that one just because it was one of my best um, location pieces that, I, uh, that, that I've ever done. So, yeah, I think those two things. And like Danielle, you know, every time you do a segment, you learn something. I think of the segments as my babies. So, I, I, you know, there's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of time that goes into them, a lot of thought. So, and and uh, I think that's the case probably with Danielle and you too, Brock. What about you? Yeah, I think um, for me with sports, it's the conversations that we get into. It's the, it's the stories that we can really... Uh, delve into and I, I, I know I've done a really uh, nice job when I, I can pull a topic out and, and even though Rummy is not the biggest sports fan in the world and I pull a topic out and she goes well this is how I feel about this and, and, I, and I'm going to say this and that and, and for me that's, that's sort of the moment where I'm like if I can capture Rummia who's not the biggest sports fan then I'm capturing uh, the other audience who's also might be passionate about it. And I'm not saying that I use Rummy as my, you know, sole measuring stick. Um, uh, but it is, it is rewarding when you can realize that you've brought in the non-sports fan in, into the conversation where, where she can get passionate about something. So uh, that's what I would say for me. Um, has there been we've all moved on to become co-hosts and some of us have had the opportunity to host. We've all hosted together. Has there been any sort of memories that have stood out to you just from, you know, hosting or co-hosting or whatever, just from a general sense, Margaret? I think for me, um, in, in hosting with you, Brock, I, um, I really enjoyed hearing the story about your wedding, you know, the, the day that, because, of course, you and I co-hosted the day after your wedding. Your wedding, had, I think, had taken place on the Saturday. And I think the part that I really enjoyed was when you were talking about how Megan got on the back of your wheelchair and, and how you spun her around <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a circle in the, in the room in the reception area. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know why that just fascinated me. Um, I think with Danielle, it, it was, I mean, it was, it was um, a, a panic day, but I think in the summertime, Danielle, when you and I hosted, you know, when, uh, when, when Rumia's, um, when Rumia's, I guess it was her Wi-Fi or whatever went oh, down yes. and I came in and we worked <laughs> together and I just remember you said, my husband's going to make me a strong J&T after this is done. <laughs> And, and you were so, and you were so. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! What do we do next? Kind of thing. But we managed to get through it, and 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 um, the hosts seemed to be okay with that. So I, I guess those would be my two things. Oh, that's lovely, Margaret. I, you know, I, I have to say that for me, 
it's it's all a highlight. But when we get together, I have this sort of feeling that that um, you know we're, we 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 carry secrets. You know, we we know stuff about what's going on in the background that the listener doesn't because we we get that sound of the producers in our ears telling us how much time is left, and we have that that sense that okay, um, somebody's chattering away, and we're going to have to try to get them off. Uh, off the air and we're going to try to do it politely and we're going to make it look seamless. And I'm always amazed when we can do that. And I know that Brock has a way of just, you know, sort of jollying people along until suddenly they aren't there any longer. And I mean, how do you do that, Brock? It's just so clever. You just kind of smooth it out. And I've seen you, I've listened to you, I should say, do that as well, Margaret. It's I think it's it's a skill that we all work on developing, but uh, you guys are good at this. I always yeah, get nervous uh, about the script. That like like for me, you, you know, like what's coming up next, or yeah. or um, you, you know, when you have to intro or extra somebody. Like like to me, that's that's always sort of the oh my goodness, I hope I can do this properly and 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 get out of it without you know bollocksing too many things up or, <laughs> or things. But, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I just to, uh, you know, since uh, Margaret talks about intros and extras, uh, doing longer intros and extras is, is something that I've had to uh, get better at. And I just did one uh, coming into segment six. And it's it's something that I can look at and recognize, hey, you did that without sounding like an auctioneer, which I've been <laughs> criticized about uh, politefully uh, many times about doing that and so I think we learn as we go and uh, that's sort of the beautiful thing I'm gonna lead off with this next one because I want to to you you guys to be okay with giving these stories because now I'm gonna ask you about some uh, humorous slash embarrassing moments that's ever happened here on Kelly and Company and I'm gonna lead off with one of mine so we had moved to remote broadcasting, and uh, this is not necessarily something that I am proud of, and it's never happened again uh, since. But when we would work in studio, you know, they'd send us the clips, and I'd say, oh, Kelly and Rami, they've got that covered. You know, I, I'll listen to the clips so that I have something, you know, to, to go off of, but they've got that covered. And, and it always worked out well while we were in studio. Well, then we went to remote broadcasting and one day Rumia's uh wi-fi went down and i was all set if any of it had happened in any other segment but for segment one i would have been okay well it happened in segment one and i felt like a fish out of water and i was like oh this is that moment where you have to be extra prepared and any of you that are out there taking radio you always have to be prepared for whatever happens. And now my script is overloaded with stuff because you just never do know uh, what takes place. But I remember getting off of that show being like, oh, this was so embarrassing. But it's also something that I've taken a learning opportunity from. And, you know, you need those learning opportunities to be able to um, grow as a person. So with that said, uh, Margaret, would you say that you have had any humorous slash embarrassing moments? As a, as a matter of fact, Brock, I, I did that exact same thing, except for, for whatever reason, and I, I don't know why, but I forgot to listen to the clips that day. 
ahead of time. Like, I, I don't know what it was. And, um, yeah, and, and it was uh, – and and the funny thing was the clips they had played was the clips from they had already played them on the morning show so I think you know but I but of course I didn't uh, um, do anything like that so we came on and Ramya was just in the middle of speaking and all of a sudden she dropped off and Matt went okay Margaret talk about what's coming up on the show stretch that out and then get into the clips and I like you went oh my goodness oh my goodness <laughs> and and of course I I I had to like I I even forgot to write them down in my script and I don't know why it just was one of those things and um yeah so like you I felt like the fish out of water too and uh I remember Kelly calling me about that a couple of days later and said what happened what did you do what did you learn from that so like you now I try to be prepared too so you're not the only one <laughs> and Danielle well, <laughs> one time when I was co-hosting with Ramya, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was just happily listening to Ramya having a conversation with the guest, and I forgot to speak. <laughs> I just, I thought, well, this is going very well, and it never <laughs> occurred to me that maybe I should say something. <laughs> and at the end of it, um, Ramya said to me, hello, are you there, Danielle? And I thought, Oh my goodness, what did I just do? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I haven't done that again. Uh, I, I don't know what possibly have come over, could have come over me, but um, I have had the experience of suddenly finding myself uh, by myself. Um, and I have a, I have sort of a, a blanket box where my microphone lives. And on top of it are the hot sheets, just in case. <laughs> and I'm, very thankful that uh, I've only had to use them a, a couple of times. So it's always, it's always exciting. <laughs> it's all about the live and the learn process as we go. Yes. To, to close this round table off, I want to send a special thank you to my mentor, my friend, and sometimes even my nemesis as he calls <laughs> me and sometimes <laughs> keeps me in line. And if it wasn't for you, my friend, I would not be in this position hosting today's roundtable. So thank you for entrusting me and Margaret and Danielle with your program. It's been a pleasure and we look forward to bigger and I'm not going to say better things, but different things when we move on to Kelly and Ramia. So thank you very much, Kelly. We appreciate it. That was Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, can I ask you one thing, Brock? So, so, you, so you're okay with him getting the jersey now? <laughs> yes, 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 I am okay. I am totally okay with that. I'll let it go. Thank you, Margaret. Okay. Appreciate it very much. Have a good night, guys. Bye. You too. Coming up next, we're going to talk about what's coming up tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown and tell you what's coming up on the Friday edition, who it is someone's birthday, but I'll tell you that tomorrow on Kelly and Company. Stay with us. One of uh, my biggest um, uh, politeful criticisms is that I like to go a little bit over time on design segments and I don't often do that with Kelly and company but I did that today with the uh, round table and I thought it was necessary to do so and so we're gonna 
rip through this uh, a little bit quicker than we normally do. I'm going to bring in producer Paul Daniel to tell us what's coming up on tomorrow's edition of Now with Dave Brown. Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, I'm fine, Brock. How are you doing? Pretty well. Good to hear. This is good. This is good. I'll be uh, getting into tomorrow's show. The Friday news panel convenes as journalist Michelle McQuig, the Pulse of Joey Gupta, and Dave Brown reflect on the news of the year, since this will be our last live show of the year, taking a look back on what's happened in 2022. And one of the big stories was healthcare when it came to the Omicron variant, COVID-19, the RSV, and the strange state of our healthcare system. So what have we learned over this past year and what needs to be done to improve our system? We look back also, the panel looked back on the federal politics in Canada. It was quite a year, the Emergencies Act, the Trucker Convoy, the emergency of Pierre Polyev, the emergence of Pierre Polyev, pardon me, as leader of the uh, Conservatives and the NDP Liberal Agreement, and the conserv- and the political resurrection of Elizabeth, Elizabeth May, the leader of the Green Party, quite a year. And entertainment critic Mike McNeely will review the movie The Menu. Sounds like a great show, and it's uh, been quite an emergency full year, so it'll be interesting to hear how the news panel goes tomorrow thanks so much paul and it was nice to see you yesterday have a uh, great holiday season as well same to you same to you brock and everyone there at the uh kelly kelly and company kelly and ramya and all that take care all thank you that's paul daniel who is one of the producers over there at uh, now with dave brown uh danielle this marks the uh last day that we I get to co-host together as Kelly and Company. Hopefully we get to do it again down the line with Kelly and Ramia, the show on AMI-tv. But thank you so much for uh, being alongside me all these years, many times over. Thank you, Brock. It was a lot of fun, and I look forward to seeing where we go from here. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And on that tomorrow's show, we're going to get our app app update from John Beeler who tells us about a bot programmed by OpenAI with uh, some new features and abilities. We get an update from our regional content development specialist, Sylvie Fouquette. We also hear from Margaret Weldon for the Friday edition of The Buzz, plus uh, lifestyle headlines as well. We finish the program with Cut for Time tomorrow and the chatty bookshelf with ryan Huey. stay tuned for all of that tomorrow and as i mentioned it's somebody's birthday but i will leave it there for now tune in tomorrow at 2 p.m eastern as kelly and i wrap up the week and wrap up kelly and company take care be safe be well Hey guys, it's Brock Richardson, host of today's Kelly and Company, as I was alongside Danielle McLaughlin on Tuesday. And I teased to you in the earlier vanity card in the week on Tuesday that I knew exactly what I was going to cover this on this vanity card, which is now Thursday. And what that is, is to tell you that it's been such an honor and a privilege Uh, For me to not only be a contributor on this program, but do many roundtables and eventually go on and become a 
co-host and host a few days. I would probably host about, you know, two or three days a year uh, during my time on Kelly and Company. And um, I knew right away what I would talk about today, and that is this. I always loved the round table. Kelly, every time he would send me a message and it would say in the subject line round table question mark and almost always without fail there was a time or two where I had to say no but almost always without fail I would say yes no problem because I always liked the unknown of the round table I always liked the secrecy and no one knew exactly what we were going to talk about from week to week and so for me this is one of my favorite segments that um I've been able to be a part of over the time. And recently, Kelly came to me and said, listen, you're hosting alongside Danielle on Thursday. Usually we run repeats on uh, the Thursday roundtable, but I have an idea. Would you like to host one? And would you like to host one and talk about your time and your reflections on Kelly and company and all this stuff that you've done? And I immediately said yes. And what an honor it was for me to do this. This is something that I have always wanted to do. I always dreamt about hosting Kelly and Company, which I've done. I've always dreamt about being a regular contributor, which I've done on different parts of this network. And now I can say that I have checked off the sort of last box uh, of Kelly and Company on AMI Audio as, as solely a radio show. Remember, they're going to television on January the 9th under Kelly and Ramia, but I, I always wanted to somehow, some way, host a roundtable. And I got that opportunity finally to talk about my experiences on Kelly and Company and how much this means to me. So for me, from the bottom of my heart, I hope you as the listener enjoyed the roundtable. I hope that you learned something about Danielle, Margaret, and I, and I hope we were insightful. But I want to take this final minutes to thank my mentor, Kelly McDonald. Kelly, as you may or may not be listening to this, I just want to mention to you that it's it's been an honor of mine to host something that's so sacred to you, and it's so cover, and everything's under wraps, and I really, really thank you for all the time and effort you've spent with me on Kelly and Company and done all this. And if it wasn't for you and this network, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for allowing me to share with the audience my experience and to deliver a roundtable in which that I hope was informative for the audience. Thank you so much. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.